thank you for your presence today. I want to thank you for your incredible love and grace and mercy. Father, I want to thank you for your word, which is alive and active. And Lord, we pray that it would be life to people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know what? We can sometimes walk into church and, um, and we get information. But you know what? I believe that nothing really happens till we get transformation. It's true, isn't it? And, you know, the Word of God has the power as we receive it into our hearts. So open your hearts to what, you know, it might be, I might preach a message. God wants to speak something to your heart that, that, uh, that may be uh, even uh, something out of what is said from God's Word this morning. Um, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 today. Uh, and I want to look at verses 15 to 21. If we could. I won't have it on the screen. Please grab your Bible. Um, or your iPad, or your phone, or whatever it may be. You know, when Paul wrote Ephesians, there's some Bible scholars who actually uh, say that it wasn't Paul who wrote it. There's not a real lot of them, but there is a few. And the reason that they say that Paul didn't write, even though his name is in the first verse of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, um, even though they, his name is there, they say he didn't write it because... Um, the reality is it's written in a bit of a different style to what Paul writes everything else in the, in the New Testament. It's, it's a little bit of a different style. And, and um, you know, as you look at what Paul has written here, the reality is I believe Paul wrote it, but um, the reason that he did write in a different style is because he wrote it as if he was writing a military letter. Uh, do you know in those days, in Jesus' day, the Romans... Uh, if they wanted to, um, about to, before they go to war, they would send out some kind of letter or some kind of um, edict or some written statement about they were about to go to war. And they'd tell all their citizens in, 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 around the, the nations that we're about to do this and we're about to do that. And I find that very interesting. And Paul has written this letter, in a sense, in that style. And that's why his style of Ephesians is different to every other letter that he wrote because he's written it from a military perspective somewhat and he's and he's telling people so what he's doing and that's why in Ephesians um, chapter 6 verse 13 you'll see therefore put on the what the whole armor of God put on the whole armor of God uh, so that when when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and so we see some of these phrases and terms and thoughts that Paul has uh, through Ephesians and and so I believe he firmly, I believe Paul wrote it. I just believe that it is a different style and it's because he's written a letter. So today, could you take this as a letter, this, these verses we're going to read, as if we're the army of God. In actual fact, we don't have to even imagine it because we are. We're God's, in God's, enlisted in God's army. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've put your hand up and said, yep, I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. And you know, we don't fight a war against physical things, do we? It's a, it's a little bit like... Uh, terrorism today. Uh, terrorism isn't so much over land or property. It's a, it's a battle in the hearts and lives of men and women in their hearts. It's an ideology, isn't it? And that's why people strap bombs to their bodies and go into crowded places and kill other people and blow themselves up. Why do they do that? Because they've got a, they've got a heart attitude to do that. It's not necessarily about gaining more territory. Um, and today, we're not about necessarily gaining physical territory, but I tell you what, God wants to gain the territory in your heart more and more and more and take it away from the enemy. He wants you to live for Him and not just know about Him. 
And, and you know, I want to look at God's Word this morning and let's see, uh, as enlisted soldiers, uh, as Paul wrote this passage, what he really wants to say to us. Amen? So that, uh, I reckon that sounds pretty good. So let's do that for a moment this morning. Uh, one of the things, uh, let's read the passage, would that be good? It says in verse 15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, um, you know when Paul wrote this, we may say, are there still the days are evil? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> he wrote it in a day when it was, there were bad things happening. I mean, Christians were being slaughtered, thrown at wild beasts. There was a lot of evil things happening in, in Paul's day. And I suppose today there's still, unfortunately, a lot of evil stuff happening. It says in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with... We just sang a song again there, jump into the river. It's all about God's presence in our life, His Spirit in our lives. Uh, verse 19, Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual s- and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, some wonderful thoughts there. Verse 18 clearly says, be filled with the Spirit. As a soldier, you know, you need to be filled with focus and vision and direction and what you want to do. You know, as God's good soldier, you know, you need to be filled with His presence. And the, the tense and the, and the thought here isn't just be filled, that's it, once is great. You know, it's be being filled, isn't it? It's His presence all the time in our lives. I want to tell you, you know, we can have a lot of things, other things um, distracting us and other things that want to take our attention, but I, more than anything, God just wants you to um, have Him <laughs> as being in your life uh, because other stuff wants to distract us and it, and, it, and it doesn't want to fill us with God's presence, that's for sure. It wants to take God's presence out of our life, where God wants us just to be beefing, being filled. I tell you, life goes so much better with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, building, filling us on a daily basis. And so, you know, I want to tell you that the reality is, is that we all, um, we're a little bit, sometimes like a day, we go through the day and things, His presence has a tendency just to leak out because we face the realities of life. And he says, no, I want you to be, be being filled. It's time every day. Uh, every day. This is the day. Every 24 hours, God wants to do something fresh in our hearts. This is the day he's made. Rejoice in him and be glad. Today is the day of salvation. Man, today again, we can, we can reaffirm our response and commitment to him. Today, every day, be filled. So Paul, from verse 18, gives some very clear instructions on uh, staying in this army. And we just want to talk about that this morning, reality of what he says to us. And you know, he says the very first thing he says in verse 19 of this passage of Ephesians chapter 5, he says, speaking to one another, speaking. It's something that we do every day. We speak, don't we? God's given us five senses. One of them is the ability to speak, the ability to uh, proclaim, the ability to share, the ability to say something. Um, and you know what? I've discovered that we need to get, in our speech, Paul is saying, come on, speaking. In other words, watch, watch what you say. Because I want to tell you what will take you out of the flow of God's presence is negativity. 
We've got to start to speak positive. And you say, oh, that's just being, you know, a positive person. No, no. What's wrong with being a positive person? I think Christians should be the most positive people on the face of the earth. Speaking life. Speaking how we speak. We've got to watch how we speak. You know, there was a cartoon program that I never enjoyed. It was called Winnie the Pooh. Who remembers Winnie the Pooh? Well, I don't because I didn't like watching it a real lot, but I, you know, I, maybe once or twice, and there was a character in Winnie the Pooh, and if there was ever a glum character, it would have to be this character. His name was Eeyore. Remember the donkey? He was a donkey. Forgive me for those who didn't grow up watching it, but just believe me when I tell you about this cartoon. And he's, the definition of, I don't know why the, the script writers wrote him into this, this whole story, is the most negative character I've never seen anybody worse because his whole definition was ever glum, he was sarcastic, and um, he was quite depressive and pessimistic. And his, his common phrase apparently was, thanks for noticing. I don't know if everybody remembers that. Thanks for... And apparently it was a sarcastic comment he'd make because no one, he says no one, what he was really saying was no one really cares. And so he, he lived his life throughout this, this cartoon character, always walking around with his ears down. Apparently his tail used to fall off all the time and have to stick it back on and all types of... But I don't know, just a negative character. And, you know, the ears are down, the head's down. You know, it's like it's always going to rain. The sun never shines. Life is just miserable. And I want to just say to you, don't walk like a donkey. What's your speech like? Because, you know, it's easy to get caught up in a world that continually just speaks negative and, and sees the bad side of things. You know, I think Paul is saying, if you want to enlist in this army, if you want to, you know, be filled, don't, don't stop the flow with your speech, the way you speak. Um, what a terrible way to live, faithless and fearful kind of way to, li of, to live life. You know, I ask someone, how you going? How you going? And they say, well, not too bad. I say, just wait a second. You're bad, but not too bad. They say, oh, come to think about it, I'm doing okay. You know, and I, I just think we've got to watch what we say. Some people might say to me, hey, how are you going? And I say, can I, can I be honest with you? They say, yeah, you can be honest. They lean in. And I say, I am doing fantastic. They say, oh, <laughs> Oh, you're not being honest. I say, yeah, I am. 95% of my life is really good. My, life, my wife still loves me. My kids still love me. I actually get paid once a week. That's pretty good. I say 95% of my life is really good. 5%, yeah, there's some struggles. But you know what? I've decided to, to focus on and speak to the 95% and not the 5% of my life that's struggling. And sometimes we allow 95% of our speech to speak into the, out of the 5% of, of negativity and rubbish in our lives. When we should take, we should be speaking out of the 95% and saying, hey man, you know, it's okay. God's good. <laughs> I can still enjoy life. I'm still breathing this morning. I wasn't quite sure last week when I was sick, but I am breathing today. You know, it's okay. What are you going to speak out of? What are you going to speak out? We say, we've got to watch what we speak. Um, 
got to watch it. You know, Proverbs is in lots of verses in the Old Testament book of wisdom, and it says, listen, the, the, the psalmist says, or the, the, um, the guy who wrote this, I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. The opening of my lips. You know, we open our lips all, all the time. You know, you can look at another person, and you can say, well, you got this and this and this wrong with you. Or you can, you can look at them and say, you know what? It's just great to see some of the incredible things in your life. Speak life. Speak life about yourself. So we see Paul. He says, you know, you want to enlist in this army. You want to continue the flow. You want to keep up um, walking, being, fi- being filled. You know, you can't be filled with his presence if you're going to continue to speak negativity and, and, and stuff, uh, you know, from our hearts and from our lips. Um. The second thing that we see Paul says, he says in this passage of Ephesians 5, he says, speaking to one another. One another. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake gathering yourselves together. Um, as the manner of some, apparently in Paul's day, there were people who they'd, they'd established the church from the second chapter of Acts, and the, and, uh, and the churches were established in Ephesus and Rome and, and you know, in Thessalonia. All these churches had established and gathering of believers had come together, and yet there were some who were forsaking the gathering because they'd, somehow they'd, uh, you know, they'd kind of had some, maybe it's an offense in their life, and thought, oh, I'm not going to be a part of that, or maybe they just didn't agree with something, and oh, or they wanted to just go and do their own thing, or they couldn't be the leader of something, so they wanted to go and lead their own thing, whatever it is, it was obviously in Paul's day, and you know what, as I read this, I thought, you know what, it still happens today. People still continue to wander off and say, oh, well, you know, I, people, I've had someone say to me, well, I love Jesus, just don't like the church. I'm thinking, just wait a second, Jesus is the church, the body of Christ. How can we, you know, how, how can you divorce the two? You know, <clears throat> young ladies, can I give you some advice? If you have a young man come up to you and say, you know what? I just love your face. I just think you're beautiful. I've got you on my mirror. I look at you every day and I just say, wow, incredible face. Incredible face. But your body, <laughs> it, it's terrible. I'll give you permission to slap him right in the face. <laughs> Is that okay? Because any young guy who says that, is not, he doesn't, he's not really interested. I'd chop your head off and just stick that somewhere. That's it. But you know what? We do that with God's body. We say, oh, I love you, Jesus. You know, but oh, I can't stand your body. Your body. I don't like your body, but I love you. Come on. Come on. I think God's plan is still the body of Christ, his church. It's still his, it's imperfect. Imperfect, but it's still his plan. Paul says, you want to keep in the flow? You want to invest in the army? Continue to be a part of the body of Christ. Some people say, oh, no, 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 look, I just worship at home. Uh, folks, you know, in the morning we gather, have a little communion. That's not worship. That's just breakfast. You know, that's, that's just a bunch of people. You know, the body of Christ is still a place where there is the five ascension gifts leading the church, the pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and, and there's one more, apostle. It's still a place where... God anoints people to lead, and, 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 and God anoints people, and not self-appointed, but God-appointed, amen? Not self, you know, self, 
self-grooming and self, oh, I'll, I'll just do my own thing. No, it's God's people that he wants to establish so the body of Christ can flourish. And not just a self-proclaimed people out there doing something that, oh, this is what I'll do. And, you know, because I'm either number one, I want to be the leader of something, or number two, I've just got offended. Come on, church. It's the body of Christ. And, you know, I've discovered that the body of Christ, the leaders of a church are willing to be shepherds and die for them. That's a difference sometimes. It says in Scripture in John 15, there's hirelings, people who run, there's guys who will look after the sheep, but they'll run when the sheep are in need, but the real shepherd will stay and fight. If you want to stay in the flow, I just want us to encourage us this morning. Let's be the body of Christ. Uh, let's continue to flow and work in what all that he has for us so we can know his blessing and, and you know, and, and uh, know his, you know, his Holy Spirit. I believe it's a great part of it. Um, and if it's not this one, find another one. But be a part of the body of Christ submitting ourselves. Does that sound, are you okay this morning? Yeah, good, good. Here's the third thing Paul says in this passage of scripture. He says, come on, speaking to one another, and then he says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, blah, blah. Talking about praise. If you want to stay in the flow, be up and listen to his army, it's, it, praise is such a powerful thing. Praise, 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 Sometimes I've discovered praise as a sacrifice, isn't it? It's, it, it? it's the things that we have to sometimes do when, when, you know, you don't feel like praising. It's through gritted teeth. Sometimes it's through those times when you're saying, oh, I really don't want to, but you know what? I'm just going to praise you. Anyway, I always remember I was 19 years of age in, in this church, and I was friendly going out with a lovely Christian young lady, and, and, uh, and there came a point in our relationship where we realized, even though we're both Christians and we love the Lord. We were kind of heading in different directions for our future. I was looking at, you know, what God wanted to do with me in ministry. She, she wasn't necessarily thinking that way. And that was fine. And so we mutually broke up. But, you know, when you're, when you're 19 <coughs> and you think this is the one, this is the future, this is where I'm going to marry. This is before I knew Michelle. She wasn't on the scene. If she'd on the scene, I probably would have realized. But anyway, um, uh, so we mutually broke up. But, you know, as 19, I thought, this is the future. This is the one I'll possibly marry. And, and then it all kind of went south, and it didn't happen well, and we broke up. Now, I, that girl did get married after that, and she's still married, and, and I know them, and they're my friends, and so the relationship is great. But um, at the time, I, I, I got somewhat depressed. I got somewhat down. I thought, I thought this was the, my future. I thought this is where I was supposed to go, Lord, and it's not happening that way. And, and you know, there's times like that that happens in life and when things don't go how we want them to go. And I'll always remember the day that I was driving my old Holden Kingswood and I was driving up the highway past the Gladstone State High School is on the left and I'm coming up over the rise and I'm start, And I'm thinking to myself, I am, I, I'm quite down and disheartened. And I said, why am I allowing this situation to dictate to me my moods and feelings? And I said, you know what, God, I just need to praise you. And then I, through gritted teeth, I started to praise God. And I got up to the top of that hill there, and I, and I started to praise him more, and I started to lift my voice. I made sure the windows were wound up, you know. Look a bit crazy sometimes when you're screaming at the top of your lungs. And as I started to come down that 
hill and not our centers on the right now. It wasn't in those days. Um, and I got to about the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I started to really rip and say, God, I just praise you it, it, with no feeling or sense of any wanting to do that. But as I hit about Kentucky Fried Chicken, man, it all broke loose and I started to weep. And I started to weep as I'm praising him. And you may say, well, praise is supposed to be happy. Well, sometimes praise releases something in your life. And I started to say, God, why should I allow this problem to become so much bigger in my eyes than you? And as I started to praise him, I actually was doing what I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. But it says in the word of God, I magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And I started to magnify. I didn't think that at the time, but I started to make... You know what magnify means? Make something bigger. And so as I started to praise, I started to make him bigger in my eyes (coughs) than the other problem I was facing and the depression I was facing and the feelings of, you know, I've lost my future. I put all that aside and I started to lift my voice and it started to put him in the rightful position. I made him bigger than the issue. And I want to tell you, there's people here this morning, one of the things you need to do because you're facing some struggles and you need to make him bigger than the issue because the issue is nowhere near as big as you think it is. Let us magnify him. Let's make him bigger. Because God is, you can never lie about how big God is because he's just incredibly big. He's bigger than the universe. You know, this place is his footstool. He is massive. You know, but you know what? I find all the time I get lied to about how my big my problems are. I get lied to all the time. Oh, it's massive. It's going to rule your heart. You'll never find a future. You know, and after this precious girl and I mutually broke up, I thought, God, that's it. I'm going to become celebrant. I'll never marry again. You know, all those crazy thoughts you have. I'm never going to, I'm never, this is, this is my life. I'm just going to serve the Lord. So righteous was I. And yet within two years, there's this lovely lady came into this church called Michelle. And you know, I thought, praise God. You know where that relationship was birthed? Back in my car as I passed Kentucky Fried Chicken on that particular Sunday afternoon and started to give praise to God because it started to break my old mindset and give me a fresh hope about the future and what lay ahead for me. And that's what praise does. Come on. Some of you need to start to lift your voice and praise. You know, Paul says you want to keep in the flow. Come on. That's where you need to be. Lift your voice and praise. Here's the fourth thing. It says, you know, it says not only uh, making melody in your heart and singing psalms and hymns and all that type of stuff. (coughs) Then it says in verse 20, excuse me. It says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Here's another one. Giving what? Thanks. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. Uh, when was the last time, people, you counted your blessings? You actually stopped in life and just said, you know, I'd be thankful for this and thankful for it. Started to be thankful. It's a powerful tool. As much as praise is, thankfulness is, it's a powerful tool to be thankful. Last week I was sick, five days on my back. I, I haven't been sick like that for years, and maybe decades. But, you know, I, I was sick. And, and quite literally, I only ever got up to go to the doctor and, I spent, the time I was at the doctor, if I wasn't in doctor's surgery, I was in the pathology and they took 10 vials of blood out of me. And, and then I had to do swab tests and urine tests and stool tests and far out. There was every test because I'd come back from overseas and they thought there was a possibility of malaria. 
that's exciting, isn't it? And so I lay on my back, and, and the reality is I started to get down. You might think, gee, James just gets down about everything. No, no, there's just certain times in my life. Um, <coughs> and I started to think, this is, is this all life is? And you know when you're in the midst of it, you, you, can't, see, you can't see the sunshine for the clouds. And, and I'm like, oh, this is bad. And you, and you get stupid thoughts bombard you, you know? Stupid, you know, stupid thoughts like, well, you know, life's over. I thought, where did that come from? Get rid of that. Life's not over. I'm, I'm alive. And, you know, I, I, but I just had negativity and I just had attitudes. And, you know, and, and I wasn't able to read anything. I just, you know, because I started the, the, the week vomiting and then it just progressed into, you know, um, congestion in my chest and everything was happening and fever and fever and fever and and, uh, and the doctor said, if you don't get that fever down, you're going to go to hospital. I didn't want to go to hospital. I just wanted to stay at home. Hey, thank you. That's okay. Two never goes astray. Um, so all the negativity was flowing in my heart, I suppose, and in my mind. And, you know, I said, you know, this is once again, this is stupid. Once again, I'm allowing something to dictate to me the way I think at the moment. And I started to just say, you know what, I just need to give things. I don't feel like it. I feel yuck. I've got a temperature. I've been vomiting and breath smells. No wonder family didn't want to get too close. Um, and so, you know, I started to do, I just started to give things. I just said, well, you know what, God, thank you that I've got a beautiful wife. That's a start. Didn't feel like it. Thank you that I didn't get sick overseas, but I actually, you know, in actual fact, I got sick back here on a Monday morning. Thank you, God. Wish I didn't get sick at all, but anyway, I got sick. Thank you, God. So, you know, sometimes you, you, you do it hard. Thank you that I'm getting better. And I was. I was getting better. It took a while, but I got, I'm getting better. I'm still getting better, but it's okay. I'm moving forward. And I started to give thanks, and I started to speak. And I was reminded in Scripture, because the word thanks in Scripture actually means to have a confession, if you look at it, the original Greek, it means to confess. And it literally means a binding legal agreement when you give thanks for something. In other words, as you start to give thanks um, for situations, what happens is you actually bind yourself to that principle that you're giving thanks for. It's like in, in, in Jewish times, they would, if they were buying and selling land, what they would do is, is that they'd They'd um, stand together at the gate of the city and they'd exchange. Sometimes it was a sandal, which is an interesting way that they kind of demonstrated that they were selling something or giving something, but that's what they do. And they'd confess, this is mine, this is yours. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and they confessed to each other what they owed and what they, who was giving what to who. And it was the same word that we use today what they were using as giving thanks. You can see it all the time. When you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a binding, it's the same word. It's a binding agreement with, between you and God and saying, Lord, I'm yours, yours you're mine. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, when I say to my wife, Michelle, thank you for that beautiful meal. In a sense, what it's doing is it's, I'm confessing something positive. I'm binding my heart to hers and saying, yeah, thank you, thank you. And she says, that's okay, I'm glad I can make a nice meal. And 
Together we transact and we make things stronger in our relationship. Thanks does that with God. God, I just thank you. And what happens is that he allows his presence to infiltrate this life that feels so down and depressed and we start to give thanks and it starts to bring life to us. Thanks is a powerful thing. Some of us are here today and you say, I don't want to give thanks. Well, hopefully you'll get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And start to give thanks because it's a powerful way that God encouraged. Paul says, hey, you want to keep in the flow? Start to be a person who gives thanks. Start to be that. Amen? Today, you know, I can complain because the weather is rainy. Or I can be happy because the grass is getting wet. Mind you, the grass is also growing. But that's okay. At least I got grass. So, you know, there's lots of things you can be thankful for. Today, I can cry because roses have thorns. Or I can celebrate because thorns have roses. How are you going to look at it? Today, today, I can whine because I have to go to work, or I can shout for joy because I have a job to go to. Today, I can grumble about my health, or I can rejoice that I'm alive. Today, I can you know, get upset over the fact that my parents didn't give me everything when I was growing up, or they treated me badly, or I can feel grateful they allowed me to be born. Come on. Thankfulness. Paul says... It's one of the key things. You want to enlist in this army? You want to keep in the flow? Be thankful. Here's, here's the last one, and we'll finish with this. Submit. It says in Ephesians 5, it then says in verse 21, it just says, submitting to one another. And you may say, well, submitting to one Who's directly? You know, as you go for, for the, through the next rest of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, right through to the end of it, and then even into chapter 6 of Ephesians, it all talks about relationships. It talks about husbands loving your wives. It talks about wives being submissive and, you know, husbands actually being the kind of person who a wife would say, I can trust you and I want to submit to you and I want to love you because you're so willing to love me. That's the best uh, definition I can give. And then it talks about parents, don't frustrate your children. It's talking about relationships with one another in our family unit. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. You know, the Word of God can constantly talks about that. There's a scripture that says, children, honor your parents. Why? So that it may go well with you. We're all been children, haven't we? We all are a child. Honor our parents so it may go well with you. What's the idea here? Don't stop the flow of blessing in your life by not honoring your parents. It says, um, it says husband and wives, get your relationship right in scripture so that your prayers are not hindered. Don't stop the flow of your prayers and communication with God simply because you got a, you're having a spat with your wife or a spat with your husband and you're, you know, you're hating them at the moment. You know, get it right because it stops the flow. I, uh, one of my great frustrations in life is that I get my hose, I unravel the hose, I pull it all the way down to the front of the yard because I've got a nozzle on it. It's already turned on. And I, go to sp and I go to, um, go to spray something and nothing comes out. Who's ever had that experience? Nothing comes out. And you're looking at the hose and you're thinking, what is happening? And as you look back along the hose, what you see is there's a kink in the hose. You go, <sighs> and if I had more voice, I'd do it more dramatically. But you get <laughs> frustration. So you put the nozzle down to here and you walk back along the hose and you unkink it. But because you've got to unkink it here, you've got to untwist it all the way back down to the hose. so that it's, And you know, all you wanted to do was water the little pot plant down the front and you've spent 15 minutes on a 
like a 30-second job, you know, and, and, you know, frustration. I want to tell you that (coughs) some of us live with a kink hose because we haven't got our relationships right in our family. There's the flow will stop. The flow will stop. When I was um, 18, I remember this day because... I'm not a perfect child of my parents, but, you know, I, I was a Christian, and they weren't in those days. And, and this one morning before I went to the power station, went to work, I remember I was frustrated about life, and I took it out on them and got angry with them this morning, and I talked to them very harshly in the wrong way. And they just stood there a little bit dumbfounded because, to be honest, I, I didn't have... It wasn't in me to be terrible to my parents, so... My parents have been good to me, I love them, and they generally love me. And, but this morning, I just gave them a mouthful, and I walked out of the house, I walked down the front stairs, I hopped in my old Kingswood, and I'm about to turn the key, and you know, the Spirit of God wouldn't let me. It's not like I was stuck, it's just in my heart, I knew that I had to do something, get something right before I left for work. So I sat there, battling with myself and fighting with myself. I finally got out of that seat of my front seat of my car, went up the stairs, went back to my parents and apologized to them. They were shocked in the way I spoke to them before. Now they seem to be equally shocked as the way I spoke to them now. <laughs> they said, oh, okay. You know, we, okay, we forgive you. I said, thank you. I went to work. I was a happy chappy. My mum and dad were kind of, had a belief, but they never committed their life to Christ. The age of 21, between 21 and 22, I led my mum to Jesus in the front seat of the very car that I battled with over the way I spoke to her. I want to tell you, when I went back and I believe without a doubt that I went back and apologized, I stopped, I, I unkinked the hose. The very seat that I battled with her in, in my heart, she committed a life to Jesus. My brother was there. He was, I wish I was 20 at the time. He was 10. I believe when we get things right, we allow the flow to happen. We allow the blessing to flow. You know, my dad had never committed his life to Jesus, but at the age of 28, when I said to him one day, Dad, Mom, I'm going to serve the Lord full-time. I want to become a pastor. Do you know what? They smiled and they didn't stop at one bit. You know, I believe because I hadn't kinked the hose, they just allowed it to flow. And even though my dad was, you know, had never committed his life to Christ, he supported me, he loved me, and he said so. And I think, Father, what was that? And you know, I think what it is, is is that that if our hoses are kinked, it stops the flow. But if they're not kinked, it allows the flow. And the relationship between husbands and wives and children and parents and parents and children and all those brothers and sisters, when there's nothing between you, there's no kink and it flows. It flows. I want to let the Holy Spirit continue to flow. I want to walk in His presence. I don't get it right all the time, church. In actual fact, sometimes I get it more wrong than I wish to admit, but I don't. But I'm just glad that we have a God 
that says, come on, unkink the hose. And maybe today, some of us need to unkink the hose. We need you to say, I need to get that right. I, need, I just need to lift my voice. <coughs> I can choose today to look at the 5% negative, or I can choose today to look at the 95% positive. I can choose to give thanks today. I can choose to be grumbly today. I can choose to give praise, or I can choose not to give. I can choose. I can choose to submit and be a part of the wonderful body of Christ, or I can just choose to do my own thing and say, blow them, and end up in a mess. So what do you need to choose today? I'd encourage you, unkink the hose and let it flow. Let the blessing of God flow. Let the blessing of God flow. Can we stand today as we close? I want to just pray for you this morning, church.